0: Hello, baby!
1: You're listening to my perfect playlist with me, Mark Nelson. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of my Perfect Playlist. Thanks for coming back to listen again. I am uh, recording this voiceover as I am editing it and uh, busily looking at our entire country crumbling down after Boris Johnson fucking lies to the entire country yet again over a cheese and wine party. So thank God I have got the distraction of this podcast to edit and to think about lovely music and lovely guests rather than picking up a pitchfork and heading straight on down to Westminster. Anyways, good to be back. Uh, Thanks for joining me. My guest today is Kraken. He is uh, Mr. Stuart Murphy, Stu Murphy, who is, for my money, probably the best improviser I have ever seen. Uh, He runs uh, the longest-running improvised show and with his... uh, Compadre Gary Dobson at the stand every single Sunday, known Stu for years. Uh, he's brilliant. He does a, a touring show about an improvised Harry Potter touring show now as well. The man's uh, the man, one of the quickest comic minds I have ever seen. It's a belter, it's got some cracking, some very, very, very funny bits. I piss myself laughing doing this. Along oh, well, my cracking tunes. What more could you want? Enjoy the episode. Stuart Murphy, how are you? Hey,
2: I'm fine, man. I'm looking forward to this. This has been on the cards for a while. and
1: Thank you so much for doing
2: it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I've been listening to them intently and with great interest. Thank you. And now I finally get to do it. After all, I tried attempts at organisation. <laughs> I, know, I is, know what this has been. <laughs> after so long of not seeing each other, thanks to COVID and lockdown, here we are, separate cities, connected by an audio-only link. I know, I know. This is, uh, thank God I, I thought, I'll wash my hair for this, <laughs> but I didn't, and thank Christ. One doesn't want to over-prepare for a podcast. I've not figured
1: out how to do the video yet, so eventually, I'll get you back on once. Oh, second.
2: no, no, we don't <laughs> want the video, mate. We don't want to destroy the mystique, because right now, the, the listeners, they'll know who you what you look like, because you've been on TV and stuff. They don't know what I look like. And See so I've got to use this vocal tool to weave an illusion <laughs> of appearance in their mind's eye. And if you even show my face a hint of it, it will destroy all the delusions that yeah. I've built
1: up. How's, uh, how's life? What are you up to?
2: Life's good. I'm sort of getting back into the flow of it. This mm-hmm. is uh, post-lockdown. These spontaneous Potter gigs I've been doing up and down the country. I've yeah. been sort of piling back into the diary after being cancelled for the lockdown. Uh-huh. So cancelled
1: cancelled on... due to dates and COVID, not cancelled because you said something racist. Or...
2: No, 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 no. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you do a kid show and they just push you. Uh, sometimes, not every time, we go out to these places and there's a kid show in the afternoon, then the adult show in the evening. And invariably, I will smell swear more in the adult shows that follow a kid show.
1: Yeah, just to get it out.
2: Oh, these wand waving, cloak wearing darlings are absolutely they're lovely but it's not their fault at all it's me because i can't so we had this one this little girl sweet little girl came on stage and i'm doing a scene and she has to tell me what the threat inside hogwarts is mm-hmm. and i have to improvise a scene based around dealing with threat and her suggestion bless her heart was chocolate tornado
1: oh my god now
2: how many punchlines and jokes can I not do oh Jesus I spent at least 30 seconds just looking at every adult in the room <laughs> with a sort of <laughs> wah, 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 face knowing that I could scar this child in any number of ways but the cute little Moppet was looking up at me with an eyes just said no literally a tornado of chocolate oh uh, I was pent up pent up I think I <laughs> wandered on to the adult show that evening just pre-flicking the bird at all of them <laughs> going bring it you nerds
1: <laughs> brilliant classic um how easy did you find picking the tracks
2: this was so difficult good oh this is the, i because I, i've been listening to it and i idly thought to myself well what would my track from my teenage years be what track makes me happy and then you you've got in touch it was lovely uh, syncope uh but I was thinking to myself, oh, no, I've got to, I've got to include this mm-hmm. because it's it's representative of this. And then I had old league tables and sort of little knockout competitions almost <laughs> of what songs. But I finally thought, no, I's, there's so many artists and songs I've left out yeah. that would have deserved a place just for the fact that I like their songs. Give but them, tried give them to a show. Oh, well, well, there's no, uh, there's no Kate Bush. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. I've always had a soft spot for Kate Bush. Yeah, there's the the old, well, there's a saying going around that Kate Bush is every gay man's older sister. Right. And it's I think that's true, in the same way that Kylie Minogue is the wee doll that every gay man just wants to put into different outfits. <laughs> that is essentially... Well, Kylie's the gay man's Barbie. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> She's about, what, seven inches tall? She's yeah. essentially a borrow with a high public profile. <laughs> But uh, yeah, well, there's loads of types of. I got to the end of it. I think there's no Motown, mm. there's no uh, sort of Phil Spector girl group stuff in there. So so much went by the wayside. But um, I sent you the list, and I'm happy with that list. Yes, I sent it off, and I didn't say, "Oh, what have I done?" No, I'd put that in as a dare or to look good. It's very good. It's Thank really you. really good. Thank you.
1: Opening track. Yeah. Sunny by Boney M.
2: How can you not love that? What a fantastic, fantastic song. If you've never heard it, you have to listen to it because it is possibly the funkiest track Mm -hmm. I've ever heard. Now, I know there's people going James Brown and Parliament and Mothership, whatever the fuck, but Boney M, when Mm. they were cooking. were See, I was born in the 70s, Mark, Right. right? 1971, right at the beginning. And things people don't remember about the seventies, it was a very brown decade. Brown, everyone as in... brown, as in the color. The color right. brown was everywhere. Oh, really? People just wear Oh, brown. You've not when you went to school and people got changed for gym. Everyone had chocolate brown pants with beige piping. That mm. was the height of color in the seventies. Everything was dull. <laughs> there were strikes and power cuts, and everything was. I'll oh, have some more brown with maybe some grey or military <laughs> green for a bit of colour. Ah, oh, Jesus. We didn't we didn't see a pastel shade in the, till about 1983. <laughs> That's why in like the early 80s, neon socks were so fantastically <laughs> popular because people were starved for real colour. Uh, that's but why along, the,
1: the decade is called the chocolate tornado.
2: That is the chocolate tornado decade. If you go to anyone in the street and they say chocolate tornado, and they'll just say, well, the 70s, what a great decade. They'll know instantly <laughs> what you're talking about. But, uh, but Boney M was part of a... I remember being six or seven when this came out, I think it was. I remember seeing them on TV and it, it wasn't so much them. It was the fact that they were singing these fantastic sort of Euro disco songs full of swooping violins and trumpets and all sorts brass and strings everywhere in front of what I perceived at a young age to be impossibly glamorous audiences of people swanning around what looked to be TV studio sized ballrooms, wearing tuxedos, with women in evening dresses a naked flame would have killed thirty women in that <laughs> room. And I thought this is just impossibly glamorous. They were they were massive Boneyam. Yeah. They were, they were absolutely huge. massive. You think of the cultural musical shift of the seventies, glam, I was too young for Glam. Mm-hmm. And punk came later, but it was ne- neither of those were really the biggest songs in the country. It was groups like Shawaddy Waddy and Darts. Yeah. Yeah. And then Boney M came along. And they had like Rivers of Babylon and Mary's Boy Child, mm-hmm. which broke all sales records. Mm-hmm. I vividly remember sitting in the living room, sort of singing along to acoustic Boney M covers with by candlelight, because it was yet another power cut. And they were happy <laughs> times. I yearned to sort of, like I want to be in that European ballroom where, on reflection, everyone dancing was at least sixty-five years old, <laughs> and this was like Bony M had been forced to do a corrupt Euro-Nazi gold type thing. <laughs> And, uh, oh, but it was lovely. And I just remember. <laughs> what an amazing gig that would be. That would be good. What a, what a tough corporate that would be. That would, can, you go perf- like...
1: can you go and perform in Argentina
2: for Nazi Exile? <laughs> <laughs> but they were a black band. They yeah. were a black band and they were from Germany. Yeah. So they epitomised the long, proud history German has with, with black music. <laughs> and uh, so then so, say so, you play for us in Argentina. Our image will be sanitized, and you will make nice amount of money.
1: Hello, is that is that Boney M's agent? You'd like to book some for the the Nuremberg trials,
2: if you could. if you don't just, mind, just in the gaps in between. <laughs> if, just, if they could just do that sort of opening vocal humming from Rivers of Bad ah, in the background of the war crimes trial just to lend it a bit of cre- you know a bit of Credibility, I think. And the atmosphere. So how many deaths were you responsible for? Ah, <laughs> many, many thousands. And I'd like to thank Boney M. For, for, for that little musical interlude to really bring home the horrors I've committed. I changed my plea to guilty. Too. <laughs> but remember, who still co- killed more people? Ra rah, rah <laughs> Oh, that's a nut. See, this is it. Do I pick Sonny? Or do I pick Rasputin? They're both (laughs) classic. Imagine going into that meeting. What do we want? Uh, We've written a Euro disco hit. It's going to sweep the continent. Even the UK are going to love it. What's it about? All right, sit down. It's about um, a Russian cleric who was (laughs) murdered, possibly immortal... Who uh shagged the Russian princess. It is alleged and is generally a, a vessel for evil. But it's got a hook. Cause we say the first part of his name twice before giving you the listen up. Ra rah, Rasputin. it'll sound better with music. Hang on, hang on. Boney M, come over here. Do it. Ra you get the idea. It's guaranteed hit. Uh, because but, uh, I chose Sonny because not only is it the funkiest track they do, mm-hmm. but I used to spend a lot of time being ferried by my mother up to the, the northeastern Scotland from Lincolnshire mm-hmm. for school holidays and stuff. And this this kind of music would play in the car. And I always thought, in my naive young years, Sonny was just what people called their sons. Right. <laughs> so well, the song is going, Sonny, I love you. And I thought, oh, that's nice. That's a song about... Uh, um, a mum from a mum to a ah. son. And so my mum must feel the same way about me because she's playing it in the car. And, you know, it's a fairly it's a very groovy song. Mm-hmm. And it's just stuck with What a, what a belter opener. No, I'm yeah, pleased with this. So it's cover.
1: It's a cover song. Is it? Um, yeah. I didn't know this either. It was originally by a jazz artist called Bobby Hebb. Right, he released Bobby it at, Hebb Bobby Hebb He released it at the start of the 60s Right Now it is a, an incredibly funky track mm. It is an incredibly uplifting And make, It just brings a smile to your face track However yeah. The song He wrote it about his brother Who okay. was stabbed to death in the street Fucking hell Bobby Yeah he was, yeah, his brother was stabbed. His brother was also a singer. And um, he was stabbed uh, He was stabbed the day after JFK was assassinated.
2: Wow. Oh, I would have I loved to have been in that meeting too. <laughs> We've got a follow-up to rah, 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 What did I tell you about <laughs> that? Yeah, well, you sit there on your pile of money I gave you because I've got hang on to your hats. A guy gets stabbed in the street, all right? No, no, we don't have to write it. It's already written. It's a cover <laughs> version. The guy got stabbed in the street the day after the president got shot what no you get out of your office i'm telling you it's a guaranteed hit it's called sunny get these security guards off me don't you trust the m anymore <laughs> we'll bring this one home you motherfuckers. Uh, class oh Wait.
1: fantastic song i wanted to mention your childhood but the childhood song you have picked is yeah. cracking baggy trousers by madness
0: oh what oh, oh, we had did it,
2: right it really turn Baggy Trousers by Madness. Uh, this was, of all the songs on the list, this was the one I felt I sort of had to pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I just remember at junior school, being in junior school when sort of like two-tone was happening. And there were better songs from the two-tone era than this. So there's things like uh, the Gangsters by The Specials. Yeah. What a classic. Yeah. An absolute bang that still holds up after all these years. But baggy trousers was something we all, as kids, latched on to. And I have vivid memories of, the at the start of the day, all the classes would line up in the playground, have the register taken, and then file into the classroom. And pretty much every single boy, myself included, had a crew cut and a Harrington jacket. Mm-hmm. And the, the Harringtons were just... The poor mothers at that school had been perpetually sewing on badges... <laughs> From Madness, uh, the Selector, the Specials, the Beat—all of that kind of thing—the thrill of that sort of like inclusion of uh, this new musical trend. Because mm-hmm. this was probably my first new musical trend. The sort of disco stuff was always this sort of far-off, glamorous thing I was sort of like aspired to, but I could sort of like see, taste, and touch two-tone. Yeah, it was everywhere, and it was British as well. So you knew it was definitely sort of by us and for us sort of thing. Yeah. But the stories Madness came out with about when they went touring were immense. They would go on these massive sort of like skinhead infested shows Mm -hmm. that were great. But then it was the kids show in the afternoon. All the seats would be ripped up and the security (laughs) couldn't cope. And it was children who were these sugared up nut jobs just pogoing along to Madness. It was fantastic music.
1: Yeah, oh, I love it. Oh, I absolutely love madness. Absolutely, and this song is—I mean, it's basically about having a laugh at school. That's it. That's it. It's just a jolly song about how c- cracking it was being a wee guy at school.
2: That's it. It's like being hit by your teachers and stuff. What yeah. a laugh! Yeah. What a laugh! <laughs> being hit by <laughs> the your good teachers. Old days. <laughs> I was like, our teachers never used to hit us. And it was like, <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we don't live the mad- the authentic madness lifestyle then. Did you? Since no did you not th- have?
1: Did you not? I was going to say, did you not have capital punishment in your school? But I don't think capital punishment. Uh,
2: <laughs> what a grim thought. There are not <laughs> enough madness badges on your harantine, young man, and I've warned you about this before. Now march to the center of the playground and do not stop. But when I get to the other end, you're not going to get to the other end. The rifle, please, matron. <laughs> so you didn't have Let the belt. this serve as a warning to you all. <laughs> so you didn't have the belt or anything, though? No, we didn't have that. We were generally well-behaved sort of kids. We was like suburban Lincolnshire. It was hardly the mean streets. You know? Yeah. I was never going to write a rap album about it. <laughs> but I, I lived at this sort of little cul-de-sac near sort of fields and woodland. Right. So it was, it was quite idyllic in a way. Yeah. It would have been if I didn't suffer incredibly from massive hay fever growing up. Yeah. So like three or four months of the year, it went from being this sort of idyllic AA milton paradise to a fucking assault course of pollen that kept me in my room and just let the hatred percolate until I had to go back out again.
1: <laughs> now you mentioned, can you mention at the start, you mentioned that with Madness doing kid shows in the afternoon. When you're doing this, so you're doing the Potter shows, right? Yes. Harry Potter improvised shows. That's and right. having two kids who are mental on Harry Potter anyway, yeah. I know how obsessive they get so how how difficult
2: is it? is it do you
1: which ones do you enjoy more the adult ones or the
2: the kids' ones? The kids' shows are charming mm-hmm. they're little faces because we it's slightly different the adult shows, which I probably enjoy the most uh, that's a full on Harry Potter long form story, mm-hmm. and that's like two halves of about forty five minutes each, and it's a lot of fun, but the kids aren't going to sit still for that long for that mm. Mm-hmm. So what we do for the kids is an hour show of some mini games and we play games where we get some of the kids on stage. And uh, oh, we, it's beautiful uh, one we had the other week with this little boy got on stage and he was sitting in a chair. And what would happen is we would say a sentence and at the end of the sentence, we would leave it hanging, tap him on the shoulder and then he would say whatever came into his head. And we would have to then incorporate that into the scene. Well, what he came out of his head, it was supposed to be a word at a time, but he was losing his little mind. He would just get, OK, so I'm going into the kitchen of Hogwarts now, and what am I going to find there? Uh, uh, poo! Poo! I was, OK, and what's in there? A big pile of poo, and there's a pig <laughs> running, and the pig is going, and the pig is in the poo! So, OK. And he was playing it with this other girl, uh, who was sat in the other seat who was also getting this and it was great the dichotomy between them because he was going well the pig um, is running around and we go, yeah yeah and what's he doing he, he's, he's in the pile of poo again <laughs> and okay so what are we going to do tap the girl on the shoulder and the girl every time just go kill the pig <laughs> what just kill the pig <laughs> I say, okay well, well go back to you uh, what's the pig doing <laughs> it's in the pile of poo okay and uh, what about you and I will oh pick up the hammer so what hammer? There wasn't a hammer. This little kid is laughing because the pig's playing in poo and you want us to kill it and you are clearly on the cusp of your teenage years. The kid shows will delight you and charm you and they will also surprise you more. Yeah, I can imagine. I think the adult shows for me are more fun to do.
1: Yeah. How much explanation of the improv thing? do you have to give them? Do they buy into it fairly They quickly? buy
2: into it completely because we basically just said to them along the lines of oh we're going to play pretend mm-hmm. yeah. that they get to they don't care about the rules of stuff it's adults looking silly and doing silly yeah. things
1: and I suppose there won't be many things they get taken to who are told you can basically shout out whatever you want
2: exactly God yeah. bless them they'll put their hands up they're so polite <laughs> we, the wee middle class mob it's, it's <laughs> <great>. <laughs> Right, moving on a couple of years. Okay.
1: To when you were a teenager, and the song that reminds you of that time, you have picked "Alone" by Heart.
2: song this is this is no reflection uh, i realize now song that reflects your teenage sounds, i'm gonna pick a song called it, alone it sounds bleak <laughs> it does sound funny ken loach bleak doesn't it there i was ironically in the cupboard under the stairs hurting myself <laughs> listening to heart on repeat now even though the 70s had gone by this point i was still living in this lincolnshire town with nothing to recommend it really it was all sort of blur. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the music I was into, a lot of it was this kind of uh, stuff like Heart Alone is uh, typifying of a genre as a whole. I could just as easily have picked like China In Your Hand by Topao. That's another one. Oh, amazing. They used to have these compilation albums called Soft Metal. Pure Metal. Yeah. Leather and Lace. <laughs> metal. And lace lace and metal you get the idea yeah. that kind of stuff sort of not quite heavy metal and sometimes girls sing yeah uh, Oh, and the videos it was always like it, she could have just said here i am alone waiting for you to call but she did she's just belting it out and she has one of those videos where she has to sort of like it's close up on her face mm-hmm. and she'll do either one of two things she'll either stare at you brazenly and defiantly depending on what lyric she's singing or she'll look it down, close her eyes, and pull a fist down. Mm. To sort of get across the idea of how determined she is to either, you know, not be alone or win your love or yeah. spank the sheep or whatever the hell the song happens to be about. And that sort of glabberous showmanship, I suppose, really appealed to me.
1: Well, the video, the video for this is... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like I can't remember who the, the two from Heart are, actually.
2: Anne and Nancy Wilson.
1: Oh well, there you go. So one of them's sitting in a piano, a piano playing the the opening chords.
2: And oh, you know it's a belter when they're sitting at the oh, piano. Oh yeah, and it's
1: dark, and there's one there's one one, 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 one spotlight on them, and then the lights come up, and the others, uh, the yeah. other is up on the, like, the royal box, almost in this theater. Yes. And then she sings back the second bit, and just as it bursts into the chorus, yeah. the top of the piano just fucking explodes off.
2: Of course it is. And I, then I,
1: it cuts well, to them. It cuts to them on stage. A proper belting it out.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's what they did. I wouldn't be surprised if, at some point, I don't remember it, but I wouldn't be surprised if doves flew around some point.
1: Oh, I imagine. I imagine it was
2: always... It was just videos like, hey, we're filming this live in front of a series of hands at the bottom of the screen. (laughs) And I will occasionally bend down to touch one of the lucky hands because I'm a rock star.
0: (laughs) And,
2: uh, yeah, that was okay, But, oh... Put a girl cigarette in front of it and I was just like, Oh, she means this. Yeah. Oh, look at the way she's pulling her fist down and looking away from camera. This hurts. Yeah, she's been hurt. She's gone oh, to and Heart were yeah. brilliant at that kind of thing. Yeah. I wonder they,
1: what the I wonder what the, the the hair spray budget was in these kind of videos. Because ah, it was absolutely even, huge. Even the guys in the band. You're looking at that. Oh. It's like it's like the most you can't tell who's who it's just a big I know. it's like it's like if Cousinette formed a band From yeah. the adams family it's just hair everywhere huge fucking hair that's just being kept up that's why they that's why cop 26 is happening just now
2: that's it, it was exactly a fucking hairspray use exactly in the 80s by power ballad bands i fully expect in the next 10 years there to be like late night charity appeal adverts going hey Remember me, says this wizened old bald man who looks about (laughs) a hundred and five. I was the bass player in Quiet Riot (laughs) and all my hair fell out because we didn't know, we didn't know how much falcon hairspray would damage us and the environment. I went on a tour in 1987, which was the equivalent, hairspray-wise, of three Chernobyls. <laughs> I've been infected with what can only be described as aggressive degradation on a cellular level. We didn't know. Anyway, seven CDs, all your favorite hair metal hits. Please buy them. I <laughs> need the money for my... Staggering medical expenses. <laughs> I've gone blind in one eye.
1: <laughs> oh, how uh, how were your teenage years? Did oh, you did enjoy you being just, a
2: teenager? No. It was awkward. It was horrible. It was just awkward because, again, at that sort of time, mid to late 80s, uh, the last thing I wanted to be was to be gay.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was just com- in complete denial about it. I was like, no, no. I Look, I will happily listen to Pet Shop Boys in Eurasia, of course. Mm-hmm. I've got, you know, two ears and a heart. I'm not an animal. But there's, no, this can't be true. This absolutely can't. And I can, you know, all I have to do is deny it and I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And so that sort of, the hair metal music, of, it's like Heart and White Snake was like, yeah, now we're rocking in a superlatively heterosexual way. This is fine. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's the good stuff. But looking back, it was just like it's it's dramatic, absolute, wrecking a microphone by singing about your feelings into it. Yeah, with sort of clenched fist and fingerless leather gloves. Going, yeah, this is what it's all about. So see, see when you say like denying it, yeah,
1: is that was that more to do with the time and the acceptance of it, or was that more to do with you?
2: Oh, it was more to do with the time, I think.
1: So it'd be a because, much easier now.
2: Oh yes, I would like, think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know what it's like to have a sort of youth's experience now, mm-hmm. but I imagine with the internet access they've got hand to, it's easier to find your tribe and your truth. I think. Mm-hmm. And certainly examples of what you are in, in the media and mm-hmm. visibility matters and all that. Back then, it just simply wasn't <clears> that way. Yeah. It was, it, if a gay person was on the TV, it was either in a show that was on after I was been made to go to bed, mm-hmm. or it was some sort of Dick Emery.
1: Yeah, the comical uh, kind of...
2: John Inman type yeah. thing, yeah. Which would laugh at, but it was just like, is that all there is, just a figure of fun? Yeah, yeah. Do, does it have to be sort of like a a horrifically camp, listed yeah. I suppose way of that, behaving?
1: That was by right the way through the 80s. Every every gay character on was a stereotypical yeah. uh, double entendre spewing kind of... Yeah. Like, absolutely. nod to the camera because, I mean, like the way through the I mean, 70s as well, carry on films, all the.
2: Oh, and I was laughing at them sometimes, but occasionally this character would crop up and it's like, oh dear, look at mm. what's. I'm going to, oh no, I can't. I'm not that. Please don't tell me I have to be that.
1: Yeah, I saw, So, yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely in denial. Plus, it was just like, a, I left school about a year or two before Section 28 came in. Mm-hmm. And it's not like before Section 28, it was sex education was like, hey, OK, there's your tub of lube. Off you go, kids. What are we supposed to do? Whatever you like. Just listen to the panpipe music. Get shut of those clothes and let's get dancing, baby. It wasn't like that at all. It was an entire mystery. I remember some one boy sort of did ask in a sex education. Sort of like, so, yeah, that's how men and women have babies. How do two men have sex? And they said, well, I can't answer that. You should talk to your parents. So like, I'm not about to go home and say, hey, Mom, dad, how do two men have sex? That's what? Stop hitting me. No. <laughs> oh, God. What? <laughs> God, fine. I'll put the Boney M record on that.
1: <laughs> Can you imagine any 80s dad? If was asked that question in the car, my God. Absolutely. Just clenching up so much he turns himself inside out. Well, that
2: was it. The dads probably didn't know either (laughs) to any great degree. Well, first of all, if two men have to want to have sex, they have to go to prison. That's the law. (laughs) (laughs) And you get that idea out of your head, right? That's it. I'm buying tickets to the football. (laughs) You're coming with me. You're (laughs) going to cheer on a Scuddle Up United 1 0 win. In the rain. I <laughs> will have no, no more of this lefty talk <laughs> from you, my boy. <laughs> God <laughs> Maggie was right Kinnock <laughs> and his red wedge mob are here To corrupt the youth How did two men have sex God I'm glad the minds
1: are closed If this is <laughs> exactly. what it does
2: And all the time I'm sitting there going, There must be more <laughs> There must be more out there oh. Listening to every Pet Shop Boys album I'm such a sensitive soul <laughs> They don't understand God A song that gets you dancing Oh. so you've picked
1: you've picked Maneater by yes. Hall Notes, but not you've picked the Luca no. Debonair Club mix. The
2: Luca Debonair Club mix. Now, I only came across this a few years ago. And first of all, it's an awesome song.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But it also is, uh, it typifies the kind of genre that gets me dancing. Mm-hmm. Now, this mm-hmm. category <clears throat> and the one you'll come upon later, I'm sure, the sort of karaoke category, mm-hmm. those were the most difficult for me. All because right. I rarely sing karaoke and I rarely go out on the dance floor. And my general rule of thumb for both of those things. Is that if I am singing in public or if I am dancing in public, it's already too late. <laughs> I'm already absolutely fucked on booze or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I can't be helped. I've just got to be left to it. And I will wake up the next morning with a sore head going, oh, no, I did, didn't I? <laughs> but this not only is it an absolute banger of a tune anyway, mm-hmm. but the, the club mix really elevates it but it's symptomatic of how I appear, how I am in clubs when there's dance music on. Now, gay clubs, the ones I go to are quite good at this, is they will play a song that I know, but then they'll add a dance beat to it. So it just right. adds a whole new dimension. So all this about is about for me is the familiarity I'm like, honestly, I'm like a dad at a wedding. Just like, I know this one! Clear the path, kids! I'll show you how it's done. Get your top on and get out of the way. Uncle <laughs> Stu's going to show you what we used to do in 1982 with a little help from Hall and Oates and a thumping driving bass. And it's that recognition that makes me think, yes, this is worth dad's... Now I'm having a good time. Yeah. This is music. And... Uh, it's. Like- uh, when I, one of the first times I went clubbing and one of the first times I took a pill uh, we were in this club in Edinburgh sadly not there anymore but uh, they started playing this song that was this sort of driving house bit but the main body of the tune and the vocal was <laughs> the opening theme from Are You Being Served? Oh my god which was, I just <laughs> lost my mind I was <laughs> pilled out of my head again. And the woman's got ground floor <laughs> lingerie <70, and> Next <laughs> underwear and shoes going <laughs> losing my tiny mind. then he played this sort of uh dance version of respect by Aretha Franklin oh nice, and there's all sorts of things now, most recently, a mutual friend of ours who I won't name, I went out with her and uh, She's like, uh, come out with me. We'll have some drinks. And uh, here, smell this. Does this smell like cocaine to you? So we we went out. We had loads of drinks, and we ended up in this club in the Cowgate. And it just so happened to be uh, the sort of LGBT night. I had no mm. idea, but there it was. And I was clearly the oldest bitch in the place. <laughs> there was just no one else over the age of twenty-five, and I'm stood there like a taxi cab driver. <laughs> God, jeff I've never felt more like a sex criminal in all my born days. No interest in any of them, but even so, just my very presence looks suspicious. This friend I'm with gets talking to some of her friends, and then just as she says, oh, uh, we should go somewhere else, then it was a, a house music version of I'm Not Scared by Eighth Wonder came on, and I literally said, but this is my jam! <laughs> Like a like a hello, fellow kids moment. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is my jam. We're not going anywhere until I finish grooving to this. Because yeah, my jam is a Patsy Kensit-driven Pet Shop Boys (laughs) B-side, but with an additional sort of. I was like losing it. So yeah, if I'm if I'm dancing. That's the kind of thing I'm going to dance to. Yeah, and it will stay with me, and I'll listen to it over and over again. Yeah, but like I say, if I am dancing, I'm already beyond help.
1: Yeah, I think I think we've danced
2: entirely possibly. I seem to remember dancing at your wedding.
1: Yeah, I think we. I think because there was a there was a period of a couple of years in the, at the Edinburgh Festival where mm. I'd we, we'd we'd kind of there was a couple of times that I'd come down for late shows. stand And then get drunk And then we'd go to C.C. Blooms Oh yes That's that's the wrong move (laughs) Yeah yeah And then stagger out
2: of there At half
1: five in the morning That's it Oh Jesus Hey
2: If you're even Hey Should we go to C.C. Blooms A. You're going to C.C. Blooms And B. It's already too late You're already (laughs) too drunk For C.C. Blooms But yes I was, with other sort of comedy friends of mine I said hey do you fancy another drink somewhere I don't know where's i Well, about CC Blooms and they met me a couple of days ago I'm never going out with you again <laughs> that was horrendous don't worry I had a great time but the next day I was a Ouija board on my chest and people trying to revive me <laughs> that was absolutely boggling
1: uh, before we move on a couple of facts about this song okay um, so Manny oh, I love a fact to me by Holland Oates yeah uh, You'd think it's about a woman, yes, but it's not. It's, really, it's something that Holly Oates did apparently quite a lot with their songs, uh, where they'd make them relatable. But it's actually about the city of New York, ah. and uh, the riches and the uh, greed that existed at New York in the eighties. Wow! And how how it it, it kind of grabs you in and spits you out again.
2: That's the, what, yeah. that's that's a horrible suggestion though, because one of the lyrics from the song is whoa here she comes (laughs) like new york has shucked its moorings and is just roaming the american countryside what's that thunderous (laughs) is that an earthquake no no it's the entire city of new york on legs (laughs) look out she's coming
1: (laughs) and uh, the other thing is not so much a fact it's again talking about the videos um and if you've seen the video for this
2: not but, for
1: years. So it's them just playing the song, uh, but it's got a fucking it's got a panther roaming about. Yeah, it's just got a, an actual black panther. Of course. And this was the excess of. This the was exactly 80s, what would
2: happen in the eighties movies, where somebody this basically is, went, "We need a panther. We yeah. can't like." This is just you two singing boys. It's it's a good song. It's a catchy song, but it needs that little extra, <laughs> so MTV will play it. Yeah. I'll go get the panther cupboard. What yeah. have we got in there? <laughs> we're in luck. We have got a black panther now i tell you what if you get a woman with just we don't need to see the woman we just need to, like from the thighs down with black stockings and black high heels on that'll be fine just get a walk in front of the camera camera a couple of times and we've got a hit <laughs> i know what i'm doing release the doves let's have the smoke machine going and can we get the hands in the front please where are the doves this, where are the doves? Oh, the Panthers eating the doves. Uh... It's the cost to do business, son. <laughs> Welcome to the '80s. Have a wheelbarrow full of cocaine. This party can never end. <laughs> Uh, do you remember one of the greatest videos they said of the 1980s with david lee roth and mm-hmm. uh, he was uh, living in paradise i think it was especially just him climbing a mountain yes, God, he's yes. running along and uh, this must be just like living in pa-. and it's uh it's this huge mountain in one of the american state parks and then he's rocking out at night in front of the hands on the stage yeah Oh, that, those were the days. <laughs> those were the days. Because you couldn't possibly live that lifestyle in Lincolnshire growing up. No, I can't imagine. It was something you could only see on in the impossibly glamorous world of TV yeah. and rock music.
1: I don't imagine the the Panther roams Lincolnshire. Hey, r- well, you regularly. know that.
2: Surrey Panthers and Devon and what have you, the alien big cats down there. I wouldn't be surprised if that's where they come from. If, you know, it's like the cutting crew made a video in 1987 or something. It's like, where's the panther? I thought you had the panther. Oh, Oh, fuck. Why did, well, thank God we did it in this barren field instead of your first, you know, shooting the music video in an infant school. That could have been a horrendous, horrendous pile of lawsuits. Everyone, start whistling and back away. If anyone asks, we're Mr. Mister Mister. <laughs> How did you lose your son? Uh, was that t'pau video? Uh... It was a t'pau video. <laughs> Carol Decker insisted on it. And you know what? The worst part is, it's not that my child died at the hands of a wayward rock panther. It's that they didn't even use the footage in the final video. <laughs> Every time I hear the song "Heart and Soul," I get a little twinge <laughs> for the stardom my dead child could have had wow right next song <laughs> that's sorry that is a genuinely fantastic theory for alien big cats in Exmoor and what have you oh, the of course, case is, from 80s I mean, that's it I feel like we've actually solved an age old mystery <laughs> in a plausible fucking way oh right. this has been an eventful and productive podcast so far this yes is awesome. it's
1: been a lot of fun a road trip song ah oh. uh, Copacabana Barry Manilow <laughs>
2: you not love this song that's great it is absolutely fantastic this is what i'm talking this is what boney m and heart alone this is sort of like camp drama Mm -hmm. that's what i want from a song a story and a drama i think this is probably the first song i remember listening to where there was a story in it that i could follow and i was interested in Mm -hmm. I'd sort of. My mum would swan around the house, and she'd play her carpenter's music. But that was basically the stories that were like, woman gets depressed, woman does ironing on antidepressants. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, everything's gone wrong for the woman. Whereas this was, and it's such a defiantly um, exuberant song mm-hmm. by Barry Manilow, yeah, one fun. of the campest men who has ever lived. He, I have seen him. A picture of him recently and he does look like the human version of the uncanny valley it's <laughs> just like someone said, make me look like something against god <laughs> something that makes you revulse on a primeval <laughs> level i want to look like that but vegas <laughs> yes sir mr manimal uh now what happened was this was the song he would perform where he would put frilly shirt sleeves on Mm -hmm. to perform it, because to perform it just as Barry Manilow was insufficiently camp for this Mm -hmm. song. And what a story. Oh yeah, Uh, bleak, so bleak. So bleak, but the the music never lets up. No. Uh, It's just like, so her name was Lola, she was a showgirl, um, yada 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 and then the his name was rico he wore a diamond mm-hmm. and so there are times i listen to that lyric i think ah oh, the only thing he's wearing is a diamond <laughs> he's just wearing all this huge diamond around his neck and fuck all else <laughs> and he's got his eyes on Lola, trying can catch her eye by maneuvering the diamonds so and the light blinds her while she's merengueing for a sweet line. anyway Uh, Tony sailed across the bar how descriptive is that, Mm -hmm. just sailed across the bar and there's a gunshot and then uh, someone's been shot, we don't Mm -hmm. know who it is and oh she lost her love, oh no that's terrible and then there's a little musical break where the dancers (laughs) go which by the time you hear the next verse is clearly meant to signify a 30 year descent into mental chaos for Lola (laughs) it's just like the decades are whizzing by as she's drinking gin by a skip still in her showgirl and then the last verse is just like she's sitting there now it's a disco disco but not for Lola she's like in studio 54 or something honestly just sagged gone to absolute seed this husk of a woman who saw a man, presumably in her early 20s, get shot. Did she move on? Did she learn? No. She never changed her clothes, and she had a catastrophic mental episode. And all the while, the music is still... How can you not love it? It is absolutely fantastic. And even though it is a depressing song, People listen to it, it's still, they're still happy by it. Yeah, because now she's lost her mind at the Copa. Wait, what? To Copa Cabana. is she all right? Oh my Come god, on. I think she's dead. The hardest <laughs> but north half of her. Can we get an ambulance over at the Copa? Oh my god, I think she's dead. ah oh, beautiful, and yeah, I, I was, I've been going down into do these Potter shows in the passenger seat of cars of other members of the troupe. Uh-huh. And I say, what is your sort of like, what's some road trip classics? And we have sing along songs what have you. And every time I suggest Go for Cavada by Bowman, I'm like, no. And if you do, I'll get you out of the fucking car. <laughs> That's just not what I want to hear. Like, Come on. Am I the only one who gets it? Seriously. I'd like to see belter. the,
1: after the shooting, the police turn up at the, at the club and looking for suspects. And I'm like, suspects. You see the guy wearing an only a diamond?
2: <laughs> was it's, he was we should never have let him in the club he was wearing only a diamond and he's carrying a firearm the warning signs were all there he didn't steal the gun off another patron like, i'm sorry mate that diamond is casual no it went into the whole nightclub aesthetic this is exactly the kind of clientele we want the right amount of danger and glamour combined A basically an armed diamond <laughs> just, just with a guy. swarthy i'm guessing cuban man behind yeah. it i don't want to accuse barry man of anything racist but you know the signs yeah. were there i don't think anyway that the police are particularly rushing to that crime scene yeah another call out to the copacabana every <laughs> fucking week terry every week god and those police would have seen lola because she's not, she she's lost her love.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He's dead, and onto a little episode she goes. She's not roaming the country like a sort of list hobo, mm. solving people's crimes. She is going to this club week in, <laughs> week out. It's like you're not performing tonight, Lola. <laughs> but I'm a joker. <laughs> Tony's gonna be there. <laughs> oh no, Lola. Must we go? Must we do this dance every week? <laughs> oh, just let her in. Just let her in. Yeah, but, you know, make it another half hour before you let any more guys just wearing diamonds in because it's a trigger for her. It's a trigger. And someone should really clean up Tony's dead body. It's been five years now. I mean, there's Atmos and there's Atmos, but come on. Give the guy a funeral. Is that Rico? Why is he still being let in here? (laughs) You're banned, Rico, and you know why. Get out the club, Rico. <laughs> <You>
1: d- murderous <laughs> diamond wearing
2: bastard. <laughs> How did you still get in with the gun? <laughs> We've learned nothing from this. Nothing. I'm a bad doorman. <laughs> a bad doorman. No, no, I am, Michael. I'm a bad doorman. This is on me. <laughs> oh, but I love I love a song with a story. Something inspiring oh, so and getting invested I'd- in. It, and this is one of the best.
1: A song you could make a film out of
2: yeah oh completely completely because this is i just remember <laughs> when i first started listening to the lyrics of songs it was so most of them were like i love you and you love me or i love you and you don't love mm-hmm. me or occasionally you get you love me and i don't love you but this was just like oh <laughs> it's a story he doesn't mention himself ever in the song yeah it's about two seconds oh i'm completely invested in it it's campus nuts and i absolutely love it brilliant walk on music aha uh-huh. this is interesting
1: crickets sing for anna maria by yes, Marcos Valley. Maria Papa said, You better go to bed. Maria Mama said, You better go to bed. And little sister said,
2: You better go to bed. They will the brother said. You hear papa said, You better say good night, you better shut the light. And papa told you no, you can go out tonight. papa didn't know, Maria had a dent,
0: and could a letter weight. So in a little
2: while Marcos Valley, or oh, whatever however you pronounce it. This is much. I remember I put this on your Facebook feed before when mm-hmm. you ask you were asking for cool music. And mm-hmm. I put this on and I selected the list for this podcast. I sent it to you as a final list that I sweated over. And then I heard the episode of this podcast where you explained that this is walk on music as if for. Wrestling or ultimate well, fighting championship, or something, not like
1: that. not necessarily. People can take it either way, right? It can either be walking in, but it, to be honest, it can be either a walk on music for coming on stage, walk on as if you were a fighter, or just your own kind of soundtrack if you're well, walking about the place.
2: This is it, it's not. I certainly wouldn't use it for uh walking <laughs> on stage, and I would be nowhere near a UFC room. <laughs> But yeah, just like, please welcome the thunderous Stuart movie. No, that's not going to strike terror into the heart of an opponent. That This is the, I put it down as walk on music because I looked at it this way. What music would I want to soundtrack me or my character in life's great movie? Mm-hmm. Getting up, getting dressed, and getting out the house. That's my walk on, as in walk on to the world. Yes. That's my music. I used to listen to it a lot in my old flat. Now my old flat was a sort of ground floor flat with its own front door. So sometimes I would have my earphones in, I'm getting all my stuff in my pockets and I'm leaving the house and it would just perfectly time. The crescendo would be when I opened the door and faced this sort of busy street in the center of Edinburgh. It was, it was sort of like one of my most New York moments. Yeah. I am just like in the throbbing heart of a capital, my tunes going in my ear and everything's going right. Yeah, that's my walk up yeah. music.
1: There's nothing better than when a, a certain part of a song hits a certain part you've just walked. Oh. Like if you've just stepped off a if you just stepped off a train and the beat hits as your foot hits the ground, it's just like, Oh yes, this is
2: Absolutely. <coughs> Sometimes when I am listening to this song walking around and Ba-ba-dow. When that bit hits, it's all I can do not to do finger guns at a passive <laughs> person. There's like, hey, like, what are you doing screaming at me and doing finger guns, you nutjob? <laughs> Cricket <laughs> sing for
1: Anna Maria? Get the fuck out of my face. Uh, I didn't know this was covered by Emma Bunton.
2: Oh, don't you? The... Neither did I. Neither did I, Mark. But I was like, mm. I wanted to make sure when I was can looking for this list, I had the right, yeah, <laughs> I had the right version and so I'm looking it is Marcus Valet. that is the version yes. I'm after that's the, to my mind the best one and I'm looking down YouTube so Emma Bunton
1: mm.
2: Emma Bunton former Spice Girl
1: I've not heard the
2: cover but oh I have and Bunton. I fucking hate Emma Bunton now <laughs> she's does. I mean some of the Spice Girl songs were crimes let's be honest mm-hmm. <laughs> and she had one good song as a solo artist called maybe now uh, Emma Bunton's maybe mm-hmm. that's safe that, that's, that's an absolute banger I will not argue with that but then she covered this and she added lyrics to it and now I hate uh... Emma Bunton now I hate Damn. it's all about this girl who's 16 and is trying to get her you know a end away with some guy her dad doesn't approve of so she's sneaking out the house but it's all at that sort of ridiculously fast paced yeah it all smacks of cultural appropriation and the ne- i i lasted about a minute i thought i hate you emma but <laughs> what have you done you didn't need to do this no i know first of all you had your spice girls money everyone knows who you are you've got all the fame you'll ever need you could have done any song yeah some of the songs that have been written for you've been like i say they've been good don't do this emma yeah don't do this yeah oh you've done it now where are you <laughs> where are you now emma button <laughs> You fucked it up, didn't you? I fucking hate you.
1: <laughs> Best song from a film. I'm so excited to talk about this. Oh. Uh, you picked Holiday Road by Lindsay Buckingham. <gasps>
2: Get in! Yes. Come on! Now, first of all, I have to preface this with a little disclaimer because, Mark, when selecting my favourite song for a film, mm-hmm. you dodged so many gay bullets. <laughs> I mean, this was, this could be like, uh-huh. this could easily be about five minutes of me talking about Roxy from the Chicago movie. <laughs> Going, like, oh, but Renee Zellweger, Mark, you don't understand. It's like my tw- my twenty-first birthday
1: all over again, dodging gay bullets. <laughs> yes, exactly. like the fucking Matrix. Rico,
2: Rico, <laughs> stop firing gay bullets out your diamond gun. <laughs> You're back again, God. He is, but he gets through the great or something. Like that. But what a song. Yeah. Uh there So many sort of musical numbers I could have chose. And I did think of, cause I know you like your Brit pop. And one of the songs that sort of missed the cut and it could have been done because it was in. So I married an ax murderer uh, was um there. She goes by the love. Yeah. That's a classic. I know you would have liked that, but this song, I oh, love, I love this song come on it's, it's, it's something like two and a half <clears> minutes <throat> long and it's it's a catchy as fuck song but it's everything around it that yeah. absolutely fascinates me yeah this is from National Lampoon I think National Lampoon's Vacation it's used in all of them apart from the Christmas one right because I've never seen one of these Vacation National Lampoon Chevy Chase films I've never seen you've one. never seen it no oh man um, I'm, to be honest, I'm not bothered, but maybe I will one day. But I know the song and I love the song. Mm-hmm. But this is like the mid 80s. Let's say the early to mid 80s, this comes out and this song gets used. And it's Lindsay Buckingham, mm. right, from Fleetwood Mac. So he's just like not five to six years earlier. He's making rumours <laughs> with Fleetwood Mac. In a studio with locked in with people he hates, his rock star nose is alternately in a massive pile of cocaine mm-hmm. and Stevie Nicks's minge. <laughs> he Some, is, sometimes both. Sometimes both. <laughs> the song, the, the story, I'm sorry, the story I heard and I hope is true is that on the Fleetwood Mac tours around this time, there was a guy backstage, a roadie. Whose only job was to blow cocaine up Stevie Nicks's ass before she went on stage. Wow! And I really hope that's true. Oh,
1: what a job!
2: But if it turned out that it was Lindsay Buckingham's ass the cocaine was going, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Nor would I blame. So
1: there can you is, imagine right? what Christmas dinner would be like when you go back Christmas to your parents, nothing,
2: would, nothing? Nothing would like, get eaten.
1: How's, how's the job? <laughs> how's the job going?
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus, I can't get the smell. <laughs> I, can't get, I can't get the smell out of it. It just smells like a Californian sewer. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, mother. <laughs> but, you know, we're touring again. It'll never end. But there Lindsay Buckingham is, right? He's he's conquered everything. He's in, locked in a room with people he hates. He's drugged out to the point of absolute paranoia. And he's written rumours. There's one of the stand-up albums of all time. Still critically regarded and incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. And... um. And the best-selling album of all time. So uh, at that point, it was the best-selling album. So he's beaten Elvis, he's beaten the Beatles, and he's the best-selling recording artist of all time. And it's utter vindication. And just then a few years later, he goes, hey, Lindsay Buckingham, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing my follow-up album. I'm coked out in my head and we've got <laughs> cheerleaders everywhere and it's going great. Well, have you heard this? It's called Thriller. And it's an entirely different type of musical that casts your take on music into the history books and uh, it's outsold your album. And so there you are. You're pretty much past it now. And uh, when they released Tusk, the album, just before that, I think, they they played the whole thing on the radio because they were so lost in their own rock imperiousness Mm -hmm. that people just taped it off the radio and didn't buy it. (laughs) So it's like, fucking how could they betray me? I'm Lindsay Buckingham. Oh, give me some more cocaine. Get your minge out of the coat there, <laughs> you dozy scarf waver. And, but then, it, so it, oh, Michael Jackson's come on. It's like, hey, knock at the door. You've not recorded an album for a while there, Lindsay. How would you like to provide the backing track for a a, a Chevy Chase comedy? What, during this? Sh- no. At the end credits, when people are filing out of the cinema, we'd like to hear your music. <laughs> fucking hell. Gonna, right, I'll, I'll show you a fucking tune then. And if you listen to it, it's got about 20 words. Yeah. It's like, I know where I want to go. Oh. <laughs> write that down. But Lindsay, it's hardly it. Write it down. <laughs> I know where I'm going to go. Oh. Let's go on the holiday road. Oh, right, there's the name right, of the that, song. Right, that's the that's it. It. That's name, name of the song. Now, what's the chorus? I'll tell you what the fucking chorus is going to be. <laughs> oh, that. That's the chorus. And then I want you to repeat the first verse. And then I want you to do the chorus again. And that'll be the song. That's all you're getting from me, you utter assholes. Do you know who I used to be? I wrote, go your own way. And now this is the pish I've got to come out with. Holiday wrote, <laughs> You watch the video. He fucking hates you. <laughs> he hates you for watching his video. I'm going... It's, full, it's 80s everything. Oppressive offices. So women work at these offices with glasses, hair tied up, lip gloss, stiletto heels, as all women do yeah. in the office, you know.
1: A panther coming out in the
2: way. <laughs> a coming out, wearing a diamond, you know, looking for a fight. <laughs> uh, 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 but the thing is it's still a brilliant song yeah it's great this is exactly the kind of pop beauty that a a coke deprived Lindsay Buckingham can come out with (laughs) when people just antagonise him and poke him with enough sticks (laughs) now I know one of your previous guests and a great friend of both of us Jay Lafferty she likes her Stevie Nicks
1: she does yes
2: But I would, and I have a soft spot for Stevie, but I would put this two minute hate thrash against any Welsh witch scarf waving toss Stevie (laughs) could come out with because there is genuine residual hatred in this song while all the way maintaining a happy sing along atmosphere (laughs) that kids are going to love.
1: Uh, fantastic. I
2: reckon. I reckon if you ran up to Lindsay Buckingham and kneed him hard in the balls, he would crumple to the ground, get up, and write a charting album. <laughs> It's certainly the man, worth a the try. The man lives in misery. He does. He dwells in misery. Hey, let's get back on the road again with Fleetwood Mac. One month later, I fucking hate you all. I'm never. I'm just. I'm leaving. I'm just leaving you in the middle of a Berlin show. I'm gonna wander Germany and kick squirrels until the hits come back.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Next song. Yeah. Song that makes you happy. That's my girl by Fifth Harmony.
2: I hear the laughter in your voice at the end I of like saying it. Fifth. You did mess with me saying it was an absolute is. banger, isn't it? It's
1: just pure sass.
2: It's absolute sass. Again, it's one of those songs. I'll have it on and I'm finger gunning people down the street. <laughs> like, Hey, it's fifth harmony. It's like, Get the fuck out of my face. But, oh no, this, I cannot fail to thrill. You're talking about walk on music earlier on. If mm. I'm like walking to the comedy club where I'm going to be hosting or performing, invariably, this is the song I'll have in my head. Because sometimes when I'm on stage, whether it's going well or not, I have to remind myself to smile. <laughs> and I have to remind myself to look like I'm enjoying it. Because, you know, the crowd are laughing. I was go, oh, just come on. Crack a smile, Stu. You. Mm-hmm. Remember you're having fun. Oh, yes, there we go. Whereas I listen to this song and I don't know what it is. I just, I'm already smiling by the time I get to the club. So that's something I don't even have to think of. And I like it. It's a very sort of, Positive song for a young girl to hear, I think.
1: It is, yeah. yeah. There's quite a lot of... Um, throughout your whole playlist, there's a lot of strong women.
2: Love them. I love, yeah. love strong women. That's yeah. it. It's all about the camp defiance and yeah. the drama and the fist clenching and what have you. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and this is one. This is a sort of message I'd be happy for my young niece to hear. Oh, yeah. It's, it's basically, you can do it. You're independent. Look after yourself. Let's go. Your sister's got your back.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a great, great song. Absolutely. So so it's interesting you were talking about uh, when you got into the the club because uh, I've seen you comparing and you've got an incredible strength of being not angry but really, really combative when you're comparing. I can be, I can be, yeah. But it never, it never ever spills over into anything nasty. There's always, (laughs) there's a playfulness about it and there's like a... It's like it's like like watching a grumpy character. It's I know in. what
2: you mean, and I so I was thinking about this the other week, and uh, and it it hit me exactly what it is. It's it's like being in front of an audience, and I'm in that mode. It's kind of like when I'm playing with my niece and nephew and being faux angry with them. Mm-hmm. So it's just like I told you not to hit me with a spoon, and now I've never been more livid, and they're wetting themselves yeah. laughing at me being angry. And it sort of works on that level, I think.
1: Yeah, that is true. That is true, actually. Yeah. I think
2: it also comes from what I wanted to do when I first started, comparing especially was just to be no nonsense. I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie to them. It's like the other night I was doing Red Raw at Edinburgh. I was hosting the Red Raw, which is the beginner's night at the Stout Comedy mm-hmm. Club. And uh, I spent 10 minutes talking to the crowd, got them going, and they're all ready. It's like, so are you ready for a top night of comedy? And the whole crowd's like, yes. So I stopped said, well, you should have come on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a reasonable time at best. So buckle the fuck in and don't say you weren't warned. And So yeah, that kind of thing. is just, I'm not going to lie to them. Because yeah. like everyone else who sort of like starts around this area, one of the first compare gigs you'll get, if you're lucky, is comparing at Red Raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, my angle is just like, because I'd seen um, other compares go on after comedians who had just died and done awful stuff to silence. And they go, hey, that was them. Weren't they great? Anyway, let's get the next one on. So I was like, I can't do that. So a comedian would die when I was hosting the Red Rock House. Well, I warned you. Fucking Jesus. I doubt we'll see them again. Anyway, let's move on to the next faceless (laughs) munda. and so there was that kind of resignation just bleeding through and sometimes I went a bit too far but yeah you know. but it needs
1: that because the audience because yeah.
2: you're you're the
1: you're the guy that's taking them on the journey if you like through the night they're the person they trust and they've, they've put their hands in uh, exactly. and they've put themselves in your hands and they won't they'll, they'll stop believing you they'll, yeah. have, they'll lose that trust if they've, they've just seen utter dog shit and you don't exactly. come on and reference it though.
2: absolutely and especially if like got this guy's magnificent and then he's some comedian comes on craps in his hand and flings it at them for <laughs> It's like well <laughs> when you're wrong 75 percent of the time it can, it can happen
1: it used to be my my favorite thing uh, when we were doing the the stand live streams oh yeah because the yeah, newcomers would send in videos Absolutely. which made it even harder because doing your first gig's hard enough but yeah. when it's on video and exactly. you're in a room it used to be my favourite thing thinking up of how disparaging I could be about them every single week. Yes. <laughs> and it is that kind of thing, you go,
2: have I gone too far this time? That is, because bless them, I don't mean to be patronising, but they are trying. Yeah. that And it isn't easy. It isn't easy to send in something funny and then just play it with no feedback whatsoever, especially yeah. if it's your first attempt, and they're to be applauded for trying and certainly for carrying on if they do. Mm-hmm. But my favourite ones when you did that, when they'd they show, uh, to be fair, quite heavily edited little compilation, of, and then it will come back to you, and you're just staring down the camera and not saying anything with a look <laughs> on your face, like, God, fucking... <sighs> You know in The Simpsons when they cut to Krusty the Clown He's just got a cigarette hanging (laughs) out of his mouth going Oh God, this bit's always (laughs) dead Yeah, it's just that look on your face That was what made me laugh That was phenomenal Right,
1: Song That Makes You Sad Groovy Kind of Love by Phil Collins
2: kind of well the reason it makes me sad is there's a story behind this mm-hmm. so 1989 my grandparents were living up in sort of Northumberland in this little village and they were moving now they had yet to find a property but they'd sold theirs so they were because they were church people they were staying in this rectory and, uh, and the town that was being lent to them temporarily so this Beautiful old manor house and what have you. And that's where we spent our Christmas that year. And for my Christmas, one of the things I got was, (laughs) it's so true to form, Is This Love, the compilation video. (laughs) So you had stuff like uh, Empty Rooms by Gary Moore. Uh, Is This Love by Whitesnake. You know, Broken Wings by Mr. All that, but in video form. Mm -hmm. This was like the internet back then. This was great. And one of them was Groovy Kind of Love. And I wasn't, it was the only song I didn't particularly like. So anyway, I think it was, um, it was Boxing Day. Absolutely, it was Boxing Day. And everyone else had gone to bed. It was just me and my mum. And she said, can I have a listen to this Groovy Kind of Love? So I said, okay, there we are. We put Groovy Kind of Love on. We watched it, it wasn't bad. And I said, right, I'm away to bed. And I uh, said goodnight to her and off she went to bed. And uh, the next morning she'd gone out with my dad and uh, the next morning the police came and said that there'd been an accident and she'd been killed. So obviously it's a devastating time for the family, but that was the last song uh, that she ever, we ever spent time together was with that song. Mm -hmm. So it was a brief time and it's obviously quite, painful memory so every time i've heard it since i always think of that last moment and all the things that went unsaid and what have you yeah and plus add to that horrendous tragedy the fact that i fucking hate phil collins anyway (laughs) i mean he's one of those people that just he was everywhere in the 1980s Mm -hmm. And he does, this is the really annoying thing, is that some of his songs are quite good. It's like, oh, God. It's like, yeah, I remember. What's that one? And I that can feel tonight. it in yeah. All right, that one's good. That one goes in the plus, but you still, you can't hurry, love. All right, I'll let you have that one. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it's like, Sue, 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 dear. Yeah. Fuck you, Phil Collins. <laughs> I fucking hate you. <laughs> You're everywhere, no jacket required in the out. I think it was Jeremy Hardy who put it best. It's like no one's uh, favorite artist is Phil Collins. People only listen to Phil Collins because they're in hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and it's playing in the hospital ward. And that's a very good point. It's just like he was on'm one time I'm playing years later I'm playing Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Yeah, and phil God collins slend. pops up yeah he's in fucking miami vice playing a gangster it the song groovy kind of love came from this film buster, buster he was yeah in. He was like two hearts beating as just one fuck you phil collins yeah i didn't know he was oh. a child actor ah oh, i didn't know that either so but but well, when i was, was gonna to... turn up like a fucking landmine well. every time i watch a film from the 60s
1: <laughs> well when i researched them it, 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 like a lot of his website and a lot of his Wikipedia goes on about how much of a child actor he was. So I was like, I wonder what he's been in. Um, he was he was in the crowd scene when right. uh, in Hard Day's Night when the crowd are chasing the Beatles. oh okay. right, he's in that. He was cut from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. He was going to be one of the children that stormed the castle. He was cut from that.
2: <laughs> I just it, Oh, you pretty Chitty Bang Bang, Chitty Chitty Bang. <laughs> Can we soften it a bit, please, Phil? Can we soften that? on
1: being authentic, his uh, he's, his uh, he's acting career ended, right? He fucking ended. Yeah. Uh, until Buster, at the age of fourteen, when he, he had a fallout with a director, right? I don't know what I don't know how cocky a fourteen-year-old you need to be to have a fallout with a director. Wow. He had a fallout with the director of the film he was doing at the time, what was called Calamity, of the, Clow. <laughs> calamity, so, the, calamity the Cow. Calamity oh, the what? Calamity the cow. Calamity the cow. Calamity the cow.
2: It's a film about a cow Phil What artistic direction are you fighting for I don't believe the cow would act this way What the fuck do you know about cows Your child Hey I'm 14 I'm going through a tough time Fuck off Phil Collins Is it necessary for the cow
1: to get its head stuck in a fence Yes it's called calamity It's called sensible The cow
2: it's not called convenience the cow you know nothing i am gonna kill your career phil collins in order to star in another non-cow related film you're gonna have absolute ubiquity throughout the western musical world for an entire decade come out with mediocre garbage when you do have that kind of reach Oh, you're going to look at Huey Lewis and think he's edgy (laughs) you'll never work in film again as long as I have anything to say about it if you'll excuse me I have a cow to extricate from a cement mixer. and and now he's gone deaf he's gone gone deaf deaf. he can't even hear his own music that he's inflicted on us (laughs) I know it might sound harsh but I'm looking at Emma Bunton with softer eyes now because Phil Collins just, oh, will you just, leave? give us a break. Give me a fucking break, Phil Collins. Live Aid. Live Aid. He did it in London. He did both of yeah. got And then he went to Philadelphia so he could annoy people on two continents as yeah. well.
1: He played drums for Zeppelin. Did he? And where are they well. Where are they now? Exactly. It was one of Zeppelin's last ever gigs together as well. Of course it was. They just went, oh, <laughs> fuck this.
2: It's Led Zeppelin's version of Susudio. <laughs> Come on, I mean, what the fuck have we done? We've gone too far. Do you remember that time we shoved a fish inside a woman? That was touchy. But now I'm playing Susudio. I wonder which direction my is life's that, taken.
1: Is that the guy from
2: Calamity the Cow? Oh, no. <laughs> God, you can tell he's deaf. That's just bad.
1: Oh. Uh, Right, a song that reminds you of a friend or a family member. Fly Away by John Denver. Fly away.
0: Fly away. Fly away.
2: Yes, fly away. Now... This was interesting because I wanted to put something in this list that related to my dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, cause well, my mum was sort of like driving me around and stuff, we'd be listening to the likes of Boney M, there'd be a lot of ABBA, and Carpenters, that kind of thing. And it was great, I loved that music, it was fantastic and it informed me. But my dad, I think, cause my dad worked in the merchant Navy, so he was away for a few months and he'd be back for one, away for a few months, back for one. So I think he could see what was going down. And so he would try, to, hey, <clears throat> listen to some Johnny Cash, son. Here's some Buddy Holly. How about the Beach Boys? This is classic sort of stuff. But I was still loving the camp classics. But, mm. uh, you know, still all those artists still touch me. But I thought, so I'll pick one of those songs. But I couldn't think of one song in particular that reminded me of him. And then I remembered this song, well i didn't even know it was by john denver and i didn't know it was called fly away the first line of it he would just wander around. my dad would wander through the house and every time he came into a room and you were there he would just sing the first line of this song under his breath It was, all of my days have gone sad and rainy and that was it he'd just he'd start talking or he'd do something else it was just every now and again just, you'd hear it round the house all of my days have gone sad and rainy for years never knew what I mean the man's gone now but i never talked to him about Mm -hmm. it i didn't know what the song was and so when this list came up i thought hey wait a minute we live in the future i can google the lyric and it came up as a john denver song so i listened to it and sure enough it was the same song the the first line he'd been singing all these years was completely incorrect. <laughs> it wasn't the right line, it was just his version of the line. <laughs> so I was like, You son of no, only does this line live in my head and will till the day I die, but it's the wrong fucking one? <laughs> God <laughs> I'll find a way to blame Phil Collins for this. You got <laughs> i really like this song it's i really, like it really too nice. it's quite a good it was, yeah. i don't know why he, he'd sing it for me because i mentioned this to my younger brother and i said do you remember that song all of my days are gone that dad used to sing when he walked into a room i said uh oh no i don't remember him singing that whenever he used to come into a room and i was there he'd always do the opening trumpets from the godfather theme. <laughs> so I just what he says yeah every time he walked into a i like Okay. <laughs> why did I get John Denver? Yeah. Why did I get that? And so, your dad you had that? a theme tune for every member of the family. I don't know if he did. I think maybe it was his way of coping because he must have suspected that I was gay. And so he thinks, like, oh God, he'd see me and go, all of my days have gone, sad. <laughs> And then he'd see my brother. He started having the g- you shall be my legacy. <laughs> you shall continue the family name.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, he taught my brother to drive. He never taught me to drive. I think he said, I was his, I was mother's child, I think. And mm-hmm. I, thought I was beyond the sort of help. And bless, he did try to relate. To me. I remember he took my brother down to see England play at Wembley at one time. He never took me. But he, he, he did try to connect with me at some times. So I remember one time I'm going back from the shop, it's a true story. And I, I, I bought a video from Woolworths uh, of a movie. And I said, all oh, right, what? Uh, okay, what movie is it? Like uh, one of your Star Wars movies, son? I says, no, it's not one of those. All oh, right, it's, it's sort of like an action film. I don't hear that Arnold is quite popular. It's one of those. <laughs> no, no, it, it's this one, Dan. It's called. It's happened one night. It's it's Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert. It's from 1935, and it's the only one, uh, only one of two films to ever win all five Oscars for the best film, director, actor, actress, and screenplay. Uh, it's it's not been on telly for years, but it's black and white classic. And he was looking at me, going, <laughs> "All of my days <laughs> have gone." So I'm trying. I'm just, <laughs> Hey do you want to watch it with me, Dad? Uh, so I've got i I've got i have I've gotta do something with the car engine, son. I've gotta go look at my socket set and cry. <laughs> Ian, come here. you you'll learn to drive. I'm twelve. Get, you're never too young, son.
1: <laughs> well, to um to to bring it back into a, a bit of our campness, uh, Olivia yeah. Newton John does backing vocals in this song. No.
2: Yep. Really? Yeah. Wow! Bet your dad never knew that. I bet, no, it, that would have killed him. <laughs> I think that would have killed him. <laughs> uh, oh, come on. That I, Now I like it even more. Yeah. Now I want to listen to it properly. Yeah. But it's, it's the thing, this is the thing. Because he got that first line wrong, and that, because of how my brain works, every time I listen to this song now, I'll just be getting a twinge of, oh, you fucked it up for all those <laughs> years. That's no basis to hate your no, father. No. He didn't deserve my hatred. <laughs> He's a lovely man who did just, just forget the John Denver song, right? You're dead to me now. <laughs> you bastards. You son of a bitch. Look what you've done to me. Uh, right,
1: next one. As you've already admitted, it was one of the hardest ones. Uh, a karaoke song. Ah. Uh. You pecked Don't Come the Cowboy with me, Sonny Jim. Kirsty McCall. Now, don't come the cowboy with me,
0: Sonny Jim. I know lots of those, and you're not one of them. There's a light in your eyes, tells me somebody's in it. You won't come the cowboy with
2: me. Uh, I really like this song. Um, I've always had a a soft spot for Kirsty McCall. I saw this song first because she for a time did musical numbers on the french and saunders show Mm -hmm. so um but the this was one of them she played the sort of diner waitress opining about the terrible life she's had again it's a story song yeah but as opposed to a story it's a moment in a story of this waitress going i've been around the block you're a young kid if it's if this is going to happen." you're going to fuck me properly. (laughs) It's it's basically the song. So, and I just like that sort of um, country music is the best sort of genre for story songs. Yeah. And so, and this fits, I don't, she was obviously a a British girl, an English girl, Kirstie McColl, but I think uh, given a bit more time, she would have been a, a massive American country star. Yeah. She would have fitted into that mold quite easily, I think. And uh, there's loads of songs of hers I like. And people just generally know her, I think. Or maybe I'm being uncharitable. But I think oh. most people know her for The uh, Fairy Tale of New York. Yeah. Which is a, a great song, but I think she's done some real belters beyond that as well. Yeah. And she's one of those artists, if you do a deep dive into her back catalog, you, you won't be disappointed.
1: No, no, she's very, very good. Another strong
2: woman as well. Absolutely. Getting to... Well, this is, this is what I thought of when I went to the karaoke, because like the dance music, if I'm singing karaoke, it's already too late. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be stood there with a, sort of a, a bottle of Smirnoff ice or something, <laughs> my, my eighth <laughs> bottle of Smirnoff ice, swinging it to the microphone again, and another thing! But it's launched in <between> every other <laughs> song lyric.
1: Right, cover, best cover. I'd never heard this before. Uh, Bedazzled by Nick Cave. I need to lean I'm
0: so I don't care I'm ready so so you say you knock me out I don't want you, you
2: This came as a surprise to me too I I really do like a comedy song mm-hmm. Uh I sort of wanted to Give a nod to some comedy songs out there, because comedy. I listen to comedy routines. I'm sure the way other people listen to music, yeah, I'm quite happy to listen to them over and over again, if only from the standpoint of professional curiosity and you know working the mechanics of it and stuff. But there was this song in the there was a film in the 1960s called Bedazzled with Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. It was remade as this sort of like awful popcorn fare. Uh, with Brendan Fraser and Elizabeth Hurley but Peter Cook and Dudley Moore's 60s original is far superior yes and it's all about a man selling his soul to the devil because he wants to go out with this woman basically it's all about him wanting to get with this woman and the devil outwits him at every turn Mm -hmm. and one of the songs well one of the wishes he asked for is to be a, a famous pop singer therefore she will love him So he goes on as this sort of ready-steady-go type programme on this pop singer, singing this song called Love Me! As basically this desperate plea for attention, and she's screaming off to the side. But then Peter Cook appears as the devil, as the lead singer of Drimble Wedge and the Vegetation, (laughs) who sing this song, Bedazzled. And it's all about how he wants nothing to do with her, Uh nothing to do with the woman he's singing to in the song. And, of course, the, the crowd is sitting there in silence watching this. And at the end, she just is mm-hmm. losing it to Peter Cook instead of Dudley Moore. So that's how that wish gets banjaxed. But I always liked, I always thought it was a great song mm-hmm. as a sort of 60s mood setter. And the lyrics are something. So if you listen to it, it's like, you knock me out. And then Peter Cook will just intone. he'll speak a It's like, I don't want you. <laughs> you cut me up. I don't care. <laughs> you love me. You fill me with inertia. It's <laughs> just like I loved that song. I thought it was a very well constructed slice of sixties pop. And then um, I, ca- I, pa- I happened to cross this. Um, this cover version on YouTube I thought this is really good because uh, Nick Cave's been one of those artists who passed me by mm-hmm. uh, everyone will be saying Nick Cave oh it's fantastic he's great and I'm sure yes I'm sure he's very good but have you heard Kylie's album Light Years <laughs> you know, that's that's me but uh, but I was listening I listened to it and it's a really sort of grim dark version of it and what's happened is he switched the gender roles yeah so the man is still going, I want you so much, and she's going, I'm unavailable. But the, I, the, they switched the line, because the line, you fill me with inertia, from the comedy original, is replaced in this cover with the line, it's quite desperate in her voice, she's going, you make me sick. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this yeah. is actually a, quite a nice <laughs> sort of comment on stalker culture. Yeah. And toxic masculinity and all it just completely flipped it on its head for me. So it's a, it's a cover I really enjoy of a song I really enjoy. Yeah, I'm so glad you the... could.
1: I'm so glad you could remember the name, because I, I had that as a question whether you could What's remember that? the name of the psychedelic band that Peter Cook. Drimble wedding of Vegetations. That <laughs> that is amazing.
2: Oh it's fantastic stuff. <laughs> a, a decent comedy song will stick in my memory. Yeah. yeah. I, don't ask me how to work. You know a mortgage paper or something but ask me lyrics to some song from the f- 1970s and I remember <laughs> it my head is full of you, I'm like Rain Man at a quiz machine <laughs> yes I know the original The original guitarist for the cutting crew he's living in a Chernobyl hangout with no hair at the minute because of the dangers of hairspray no I don't know how to drive or work a boat <laughs> best song you've seen live
1: uh, by a beautiful
0: South.
2: fame by the beautiful south yes now i i don't not really much of a concert goer mm-hmm. i know you've had guests back on this a podcast before talking about concerts and what festivals they've been to. That's never really been me. I don't know what to do with myself at this thing, mm-hmm. these things. I just feel odd and out of sorts. So I haven't been to many, but I remember the Newcastle Mayfair years ago It was one of the first concerts I've been to. It was the Beautiful South, just at the time of their first album and they were all stood there. And I was, I didn't know what to expect from a live gig. I was expecting it would be like a Top of Pops appearance. We're sort of like people sort of grooving on the spot on the stage and dancing along to their song But they just stood there in anoraks, hats, and glasses. It's good. This next song's called Song for Whoever. I love you from... And people were clapping and, and, and singing along. And at the end, they just go, thank you. This next song called You'll Keep It All. It's just like, oh, God. This is just, they just played their entire album and it was just such a low fi low-key appearance i'd find it uh because they were from hull and i was from yeah. scunthorpe they were always sort of a local band to me so i was just oh this is how <laughs> lincolnshire pop stars behave this is great they're a very but, static band absolutely <laughs> yeah. but then they sang fame yeah. and i was like oh this is going to be great of course i knew the irene car version this is going to be a sort of beautiful south does disco mm. and i was like no, there was one guy in organ going, do, 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 And then, and then you're still going, baby, look at me and tell me what you see. <laughs> and it synced through the verse. And they go, remember my name, fame. I'm going to live forever. It was like watching Alan Moore do a song or something. It was just like this old, I'm going to learn how to fly hi <laughs> um, it's like like a song being sung by the guy who reads out the football results it yes. was utterly magnetic and then that was the end of their gig i think they did song for whoever again mm-hmm. to close and then they got encored back on and then did fame again okay. this is the exact same Please. song <laughs> yeah that like we've only got like 12 songs and yeah. one of them's this one you seem to like it Fame, <laughs> I'm gonna live forever. It was, it was great. It was people, it was kind of like when you and I have seen acts on stage who the audience are looking at with such bemusement, but every comedian at the back of the room has their fist in the mouth trying to not to kill themselves laughing yeah. because they're just so weird. Yeah, that was how it was. I mean, I, it,
1: it did because when you first suggested it, I assumed it was like an album track or something, no, and then when no. I found out it was a cover of Fame. It just seems like such a such a departure from the stuff that they would normally do because this song requires a lot of energy and a lot of yeah people jumping about
2: in a fucking car park and like it's well just like when i on that first album they did do a cover of a song called girlfriend which was a one-hit wonder for an artist called pebbles and it was just like girlfriend how could you let him treat you so bad it was a sort of american pop confection and they would do that's exactly what they did girlfriend <laughs> how could you let them treat you so bad and stuff but then they brought out an album of cover versions later on and it was just like um all sorts They had uh elo they had uh s club seven imagine no. them singing s clubs yeah i forget which one it was it was there ain't no party like an s club party <laughs> it was it was along those lines and it's like there's no amount they could win the lottery and they'd still sound as exuberant and as happy as that
1: have you ever wondered what s club 7 might sound like if it was sung in a northern job center (laughs) queue
2: well let's just look it on s club 7 now shall we let's see if they're live streaming the degradation of their life. hello i was in s club 7 then i went on big brother and royally fucked myself by being a racist Anyway, welcome to day 53 of my fucking UC claim. (laughs) Uh, You're going to make me sing the song again as proof because I'm beginning to think you know who I am and this is just for your own vile amusement. (laughs) No, I have not found any unpaid or paid work in the past couple of weeks. (sighs) Yet you want want me to sing a song called Reach for the Stars. (laughs) Reach for the Stars, but on a full-time basis. (laughs) No part-time work available. You
1: know I can't reach for the stars. I'm claiming disability. (laughs) With this amount of heroin tracks
2: in my arm, you want me to reach for the stars? (laughs) honestly the videos of me on top of the pops have been watched so often the tapes worn to a nubbin i've only got left is my memories of my addictions (laughs) rachel doesn't call anymore bradley's dead oh god didn't they have a reunion but it was like s club juniors Juniors have turned to crime They're basically the gang from Oliver now, but with, you know, knife crime. (laughs) Didn't they do a a reunion tour where it was like S Club 3 or something? Oh, Jesus. That's when, hey, welcome to Cinderella's in Darlington. Are you in for a treat? Are you you ready for a good time? Well, you should have come on a Friday. But every Tuesday is, fuck me, are they still alive, night? And this week it's S Club 3. If you can remember the names and take your bra off, you win a bottle of Prosecco.
1: Come back next week, we've got the Jackson 2. <laughs> the Jackson 2.
2: We, you'll remember her from the Captain and Tennille. We've got Tennille. Please welcome to the stage DJ Jazzy Jeff. By himself. He doesn't say uh, I tell you what, this other, see, this is the other place I've seen great songs. has been um, musicals at the Playhouse and stuff mm-hmm. and various. When you see a live musical, it can be awful or it can be really good. I went and see Priscilla Queen of the Desert with Jay, I think it was. And it was just like, oh, so ho-hum. Jason Donovan was in it and he, he looked stoned throughout. You know, honestly, he looked like, he didn't have a look in his face like, this is what my, it was either this or the job centre with S Club 7. <laughs> now, this is what my career has come to. I used to do Kylie. I used to have it all. But uh, I went to see Sunset Boulevard, the musical, because that's a film I've always loved. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was re- it was really quite good. Obviously, I knew the story, but the song's magnificent. And there's this sort of creepy butler character in it, if you've never seen the film or the musical, uh, who wanders around. But he did his song and it was in front of a, packed playhouse theatre and he stepped to the front of the stage and he sang it was almost kind of operatic and he had this deep bass voice so he's like I can't approximate anywhere close to the mastery he had over this and it just kept getting lower and lower and lower as he sang this ballad until he was like filling this room with this seat juddering finished the song huge rapturous applause. It was magnificent. Couldn't tell you the name of the song or the singer, but it was absolutely fantastic. Good. And uh, there was a, a woman who sat right in front of us, who was, she wasn't being an asshole, but she was drunk enough to be enjoying herself a lot. So she'd be at the front going, yeah, God, <laughs> I'd sing it throughout all the whole play. She was just like, yeah, but just the right side of, she's not disturbing anyone anyway magnificent show slights go up we get up out of our seats. she gets out of hers and uh, we all file to the exit she's just behind us and i hear her say one of the best lines i've ever heard anyone come out the theater it was just she just said well that was one of the most magnificent shows i've ever seen but to be fair i am quite (laughs) shit-faced That is a quote for the poster. Yeah. Right there.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Cracking. Right. Guilty Pleasure. Yeah. Surprised at this, Stuart. Yeah. The James Bond theme by Monty Norman.
2: James Bond theme yeah it's a terrific piece of music it's we're back to finger guns mm-hmm. you know I, I sort of like for my 16th birthday I got a cassette Walkman and in all that time I don't think I've been without a personal since then I don't think I've been without a personal stereo of some form or another mm-hmm. it's just I I came to, to record this listening to my little iPod and I have the the James Bond theme Monty Norman because it's like you're saying earlier it's soundtracking your life mm-hmm. and it's an ideal song for it why it's a guilty pleasure is because I listen to it far too much <laughs> and I it's one of those songs sometimes a song will come on and it's, I will, it's perpetually on shuffle my thing so I'll just, I'm not in the mood for this song I'm always in the mood for a two and a half minute burst of James Bond mm-hmm. and how that must look to other people, is something I just do not consider. That's why it's a guilty pledge. Jesus Christ. Yeah, That guy's walking into Sainsbury's vegetable section with an undue amount of confidence. <laughs> Blimey. Whoa, whoa, did he just shoot that woman? What <laughs> the hell's going on? He's got such charm and poise, though. Because ever- uh, some of the old sort of stereos I would listen to I didn't realise, of course, that um, people would get off the bus, shoot me a glance with a big smile on their face because this was the days before noise-cancelling headphones. Oh, so they could hear it. Ah. So I'm just sitting on the bus going... But everyone around me can hear... They must have been looking at me going, thinking, what a wheezy little dick. But I was sitting there going, Yeah! in my head james bond license to kill i'm going to buy some cheese (laughs) 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 nice dress babe take it off
1: have you ever um, have you ever done the walk pretend you're james bond done the gun barrel walk at the start uh yeah Uh, yeah (laughs) Yeah, in
2: the privacy of my own home (laughs) Not out, <laughs> you know, I've got to rein in. Yeah. I've got to rein in my emotions when I'm listening to the Bond thing. I've got about three different versions of the Bond thing.
1: Have you got Moby's one? Moby's is uh, good.
2: No, I've not. Got... I've got the Propeller Heads one.
1: Oh, yes, that is that awesome. is excellent, yeah.
2: And that's excellent. And I got the, um, uh, the one from Casino Royale, the sort mm-hmm. of jazzed up version of it. And I've got all three, and a I'll listen to all of them. But Monty Norman's is the classic.
1: Yeah, it's classic.
2: And I just, but we, yeah, I haven't done the walk as you say for a long time because I can't look at the mirror at me, sort of reaching round because <laughs> it's one of those things. Oh, spin round, fire my gun. Oh, my back's gone. Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> James Bond's put on weight. Oh no, perhaps it's time. To, perhaps it's time to hang it up, Bond. Oh God, <laughs> there's been times, and it
1: always comes about when there's a new Bond coming along. Where I'll spend An uncomfortable amount of time
2: Practising <laughs> the line Right uh, Well I'm, jo- I'm Bond James Bond James
1: Bond And I've, I've done myself I've, I've, I've sat there saying it Not even in the mirror Just saying it Like I'm driving along in the car yeah. And then I'll start Directing myself in my exactly. head Going why not do, do, do a bit more whimsically Do, do it quizzically <laughs> You know like Hello. And you're going My god like, <laughs> this, yeah, exactly. this dream This dream <laughs> This dream ended the day you were born
2: This dream will <laughs> never like, <laughs> Oh, James Bond is Scottish, canonically. There's a hope. Oh, what? No, he he comes from a vast hunting estate in the Highlands. He doesn't come from some Glasgow tenement. Oh, no. Damn you, cruel fates. Macaroni pie, please. It's just not the same. Now, you say you listen to it while you're driving. When when you listen to it and you're driving, does your foot get a little bit heavier on the accelerator? Oh, Oh, God, yeah. Up, it's one of those speed up because then you know you see the police car catch up to you and you just give them a little wink out the side window. Don't worry about it, mate. I'm James Bond.
1: Yeah, I do that quite a lot after I've seen yeah. films. If after I've seen films at the cinema, if they've got a distinctive soundtrack.
2: Oh yeah.
1: I remember I, saw, I was away one weekend and I saw the the film Drive Ryan mm. Gosling and it's got oh, a yeah. really 80s synth. Yeah, I like, that. I like uh,
2: that
1: soundtrack. And I was playing that on the drive home, and then. I get so carried away when you kind of get lost in yourself when you're driving. And yeah. I looked down and I was doing 110. And I was wow. like,
2: Jesus, fuck. Like this? Wow. <laughs> that's it. Sorry, officer. I've just been to see Drive. Uh, it's a pretty good I, film. Four I out of five, un- right? I
1: understand. On your way. Oh, yeah. no, come on.
2: <laughs> now, what I'm going to do is ask you to pull over that. I'm going to watch watch a bit of Mary Poppins for 10 minutes so get the old blood down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, officer. But, uh, yeah. Now, um... What was he going to say about the? Uh, the yes, have you ever? Because I have. Have when I was young and stupid. Have you ever gone up to a bar and ordered a vodka martini? Yes, I
1: have. It's disgusting.
2: It is pretty weak. It's yeah. pretty weak ass drink, but also. Uh, I asked, can I have a vodka martini, please? And the barman's looking at, I suppose you want it shaken, not stirred, you prick. <laughs> I was like, I just want a vodka martini, yeah. please. <laughs> no, oh, no, your, your aggressiveness has killed any secret yeah, agent no, vibe I, I have. I, I, I don't deserve a vodka <laughs> martini. Give, give me a lemonade and a dirty glass, please. No ice, no straw. <laughs> <laughs> I am not the super cool spy Well done sir You have broken my cover <laughs> That's
1: why I like That's why I like the Craig Bonds Because he started drinking Heineken
2: Aye. So every now and, and again He'll crack spare. open a
1: bottle of Heineken So exactly. I'm going finally Finally I drink Bond drinks that I can drink <laughs> exactly. Because I couldn't drink a vodka martini <laughs>
2: like, I want to see at the beginning of a Bond mm. film Where the, the bad guy has his thing and says we need Bond Where is Bond now? And it cuts to outside a Glasgow off-license, and he's trying to get kids to go in to buy Mad Dog 2020 (laughs) for him. I'll give you the money when you come out. That's the deal. Get us us a bottle of pop-ups as well. (laughs) some some pop-ups and some Mad Dog 2020. I lost it all on Baccarat. Yeah, just,
1: uh, just playing the puggy in the chip shop instead. Oh, I love that.
2: Yeah, have you seen that, that sketch from Chewing the Fat? years yeah, I ago think so, With yeah. James Bond <laughs> at the casino, and he's there trying to impress a woman at the roulette table, but he just keeps losing tons of money in the roulette. It's like, I put it all on 17 black. <laughs> Red five. Oh, you stupid bastard. <laughs> and then, yeah, he's later on, he's just standing next to a guy playing the puggy. and oh, You want to hold those melons, mate? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny as what big song song that reminds you of a moment or place My October Symphony by the Pet Shop Boys it's
0: hard to settle down it's so-
2: Yes, this is. Um, well, this was uh, this was an odd time in my life. This was just after my mum had been killed. I was stay. I had just. It was Christmas. It happened, and I started that September at Sunderland Poly, or has it since become University? Mm. Uh, I was Polly. It was more real when I was there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was wandering around Sunderland, and I was just like. Oh. I had this album, Behaviour by the Petro Boys, on this whole time. And I was still, well, I thought to myself, I've got to cheer myself up a little bit. It's just grim and it's oppressive. And the course I was on was pretty garbage. It was teaching me the same thing that I'd learnt in the previous course I was on. It was all seemed like a dead waste of time and nothing to do. And so I, I saw some lads playing football. So I went, can I join you? So I did. I didn't warm up and I cracked. My, I basically buggered my ACL. Mm-hmm. my ligament so i was hobbling around it's january february rain gray northeast crutches misery bereavement and i had this album and this song playing in my uh my ear the whole time i was what i was listening to and uh, this song in particular stood out it just music sonically and, and lyrically just made me think that there was this, beyond Sunderland, beyond Scunthorpe where I'd grown up, Mm -hmm. there was a a more glamorous life to be had with women in flammable dresses (laughs) dancing to Boney M and (laughs) Euro pop parties. And there was, you know, colour to be had in the world and stuff. And I was just too good for this northern greyness. And uh, I just didn't know what I was going to do about it because I seemed trapped in this thing. And I remember I was doing this business studies course and at one point they asked us to do a a presentation. Each group, they split us off into groups. And we had to talk about marketing. And it was one of those horribly oppressive hot days. This was some months later, it was a really hot day where the sun is beating through the window and people are getting sunstroke from behind the glass. You know, it was just, everyone's losing And everyone's going on on stage Everyone's going to the front of the classroom. It's like, yes, this is a presentation about personnel. Personnel is about people. People in business is very important. For one of 17 reasons, which I shall detail now in the same <laughs> monotone term, people are sitting by the window going, fucking kill me now. This went off like two and a half hours, and ours was the last group on, and I was the penultimate speaker. So I thought, you know, bugger this. And so I threw aside my prepared little bit about adverts and did off the top of my head, essentially five minutes about how LucasAid was conning you out of your money. Wow. Because um, they used to be advertised with a sick kid in bed and now we're being advertised by Daily Thompson saying it's a health. So it's still the same drink. But instead of saying it's going to cure your ills, it's going to make you an athletic Superman. And I did five minutes on that. And everyone perked up. Everyone was just, it's like we were saying before about the the Red Roar, just like, because I was essentially telling the truth of the situation we were all in. Mm -hmm. Everyone perked up. Everyone was listening to me. Everyone was laughing. And I thought to myself, yes, this is what I want to do. Wow. This is the kind of thing I want to do. This nameless sort of, Business qualification is not going to do me any good because I've no aim to do anything with it. I can't make my mum laugh anymore. I may as well try and make other people laugh. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds a bit wanky and self indulgent, but I was sort of like eighteen years old in a very self indulgent place. And and from then on, the sort of the the, the song and the album it came from became a sort of something hopeful to listen to. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was years before I did comedy for real but it planted that seed yeah that there was always something better to aim for and that it was possible to get there
1: yeah so did you so so that seed was always there what then led you to do i'm I'm assuming it was improv Mm. first of all yeah how long after that did you do your first Well, how did you get into improv
2: well i went to uh after let me see, get the timeline correct. After I left Sunderland, I went to stay with my grandparents up in Scotland because it was one of those things that the course had finished and now I still don't know what to do with my life. Nothing appeals. The family was all still pretty sort of battered and fragmented. Um, so I went up to stay with my grandparents for a couple of years in Bleggowrie and got involved with a youth theatre group there who came through to do uh, a festival in February in Edinburgh. And they did so at the, the student theater, which was having an improv comedy workshop on there. So I went, on, I went and did the workshop with a friend of mine from the theater group. And uh, if, I if I do say so myself, I was better than anyone else there, mm-hmm. including the, the long-term players, I think. So I thought, yeah, yeah this, this is what I want to do. Wait a minute. I just go up, make up bullshit and people laugh. This is exactly what I've been looking for. Congratulations, Bedlam Theater. You have found the Murphy wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that was, and so I went, they loved what I did. I loved it. And so two weeks later, I think it was, no, it must have been longer than that. And the next few months, I went back occasionally to Edinburgh to do more of their open house workshops. And it was so much fun. And Edinburgh is obviously a more vibrant place to live than Perthshire. And yeah, so uh, my first show for them was in the Fringe. Right. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed myself and i've been doing it ever since yeah it led me to to move through to edinburgh permanently and i <laughs> uh, just thought about doing comedy
1: yeah so you i mean you you and gary gary dobson that's host right. the sunday sunday afternoon improv show at that's the right. stand, which yeah. has been i
2: mean how long how long God many man. years oh let's say conservatively let's say 15 to 20 years wow I mean, that's a long
1: time for a regular That's a long time. In one
2: form or another, it's been there 15, 20 years, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah. And how did you you meet Gary?
2: Well, I joined this theatre group, the the improv group, uh, on the back of the uh, workshops I'd done with them. And Gary was in America at that point, although he was already a member of the group. Mm -hmm. So by the time he got back from filming in America, I'd already been there the better part of a year. So that's how we met. And for the next few years, there were there were a few of us who was like in that arena. I mean, learning stand up, learning improv in front of a student audience who are the most forgiving audience mm-hmm. in the in the whole of comedy. So it was very much a nursery situation, and uh, we grew up. We learned, and we later on we suffered a lot, but you know, at the hands of audiences who had paid real money. <laughs> Uh, but yeah we well, that's how we met up and we just kept doing improv that worked I, I was thoroughly addicted to it mm-hmm. especially we would do our shows on a Friday night and then you come off having done well not realising how kindly student audiences can be and just feeling like you just wandered off the set of and Saturday Night Live in yeah. the 70s or something you just felt yeah. absolutely fantastic
1: because I mean I've, I've seen I've, I've obviously seen you both do improv a lot of times and yeah. it's, it's fascinating to watch And it's it can be infuriating as well because you you are at the the hands of the audience and it's it's when you get an intelligent audience that improv works best because the natural thing is for any suggestion to be crude any suggestion to be as difficult as you know I mean people some people try and be smart arses about it some people. Imagine it must be it must just get boring with the amount of people that say or give us a give us a give us give us a, a genre of film mm. porn. You know, it's yeah. like it must just get tedious porn, after a while.
2: Gynecologist, yeah, comedian. Oh, fucking hell! But that's when I come to my own. And I berate the audience, and that yeah. generates some laughs and gets them thinking. But yeah. we did we did have our first Sunday show back at the stand, just this Sunday, just gone mm-hmm. uh, in early November um and it was so much fun to be back but we did this thing where people would fling suggestions on on bits of paper i opened one of them and it was like madeline mccann's been found yeah and i was like oh for fucks no, it's really? not changed yeah i'm not doing it i'm not doing it yeah. but we used to say to audiences, audiences would shout out gynecologist and it's like you know what we'll do it but i don't want to hear any of your bullshit when it gets too much for you yeah You know, I will be reaching up to my elbow into Gary's fanny and pulling out living (laughs) raccoons. You want you want who wants who still wants to play with my gynecology scene now? Yeah. You do? Fine. Shut the fuck up.
1: What's this up your fanny, Gary? Oh, it's (laughs) Lindsay Buckingham (laughs) It's
2: Lindsay Buckingham. He's so upset he's written a double album. God, he's playing it timpani style on Christine McVie's bones. (laughs) What the hell have you done?
1: Hidden gem. You've Picked Off My Mind by Hazel English.
2: Oh yeah, I, I love the song. It's one of the things to do is sit around and I'll do my admin, or I'll be cleaning the house or something, and I'll just have the autoplay on YouTube, and it'll just cycle through videos, I don't know what they are, and this is how I came across this song, and it's uh, it's exactly the kind of thing I love, it's a it's a modern song, mm-hmm. it's fairly, a re- couple of years old, if that, and but it still, to me, sounds like it's a 60s girl ready, steady, go type it song. It does,
1: yeah, yeah, it's got a very nostalgic kind of
2: feel, yeah to this song. Um, that's exactly uh, the kind of thing that fits with me it's a really uh, lovely song I it's, really, I'd,
1: it's I'd, brilliant i've never heard of it i've never heard of hazel english but um. neither had i
2: but <coughs> i just came across it and uh, i got it that's just at the start of lockdown and it was a lot of the time i'll listen to a song and you know a few plays and i'm done with it but i've just been i keep going back to this one
0: mm-hmm.
2: i keep going back to it it's just a, a beautiful song that's catchy it flows beautifully and uh, I've listened to her album too, and I, I think it's very good. But this is certainly the gem of it. Yeah, and it's one of those ones. Um, it, it's when it's nice when you find an artist that you think deserves more mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in terms of recognition and you know yeah. a, a, an audience size. And she's, I think, she's definitely one of them. Yeah. And the video is something I enjoy as well because it seems to be old film snippets of it's like old American. Fifties and sixties oh, right. beauty contests and nascent teenagers and what have you. Oh, okay. so like, it's all like it all comes across as discarded family films and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. it just fits the whole vibe of the song perfectly, and it's it's one I definitely recommend. That was one of the hard categories to, to pick one for because mm-hmm. there's a few tunes like that I come across on these sort of web based radio stations. Like, yeah, oh, what's that? That's quite good. Oh, yeah, that's what now. I love about
1: this category because it, it it does like so much so many of the songs I've never heard of before yeah and it, it, it's brilliant to just discover stuff that other people are in okay favourite song pretty much perfect summing up of your musical taste and the campness of it uh, it's a it's like a kind of a remix Monster Holiday by Madonna Lady Gaga it's done by DJ Shy Boy <laughs>
2: There's, I've, uh, I've liked mashups for some years now. Mm-hmm. There's nothing better than finding a good mashup that really works. And there's a few of them out there. You just have to wade through a lot of terrible ones in order to find them. and This one just has me hooked. I can't tell you how many times I've just favorite <laughs> listed this, listened to it. It's one of those ones. I, if I was like a young 20 something listening to this, I would be grooving away on every dance floor this came on doing obscene things with my body. <laughs> as it is, I just have to appreciate how it all fits together. And I just, it's a thrill to listen to. Yeah, it's great. Oh, there's some classic mashups. and I'm glad you liked it. I really am. Yeah, I love mashups as well. I absolutely adore fantastic. mashups. Fantastic, because some, some people just don't get them or are turned off by them. But there's some classics, you know. Um, what's that song from Greece? You better share, your pub? Yeah, yes. yeah you're, you're, you're the, the one that I want. I want. Yeah. Mixed with the next episode by Snoop Dogg. Yeah,
1: aye, it's so good. Oh fantastic. I think
2: and I can. Uh, uh... Losing my religion by REM. Uh huh. But aside from the chorus, the lyrics are, believe by Cher. Ah. I'll Very go, nice. A, a, a list of these, I'll have to send them to you. And you've oh got yeah. Them, uh, links in the bio of this particular podcast or something
1: it takes a real skill i think to listen to songs to go that'll work with that and that'll i don't I know. know whether it's a trial and error kind of thing or if people with a musical ear can just hear straight away
2: well this is it i was listening to the i played the share rem one in the car going down to a potter show with uh, jenny our pianist who's very accomplished musically and it's like hey jenny what about this Hey, this is good. And she's going, yeah, it's just a shame that the, the keyboard is off on this particular note because of the key difference. <laughs> oh, fucking hell, Jenny. You're spoiling my <laughs> fun with your knowledge. <laughs> Can I not just imagine in my mind's eye, Cher share front in R.E.M. for five minutes.
1: Right, Jenny, you're going on the list <laughs> yeah, with Phil re- Collins and Emma <laughs> Blunt.
2: Her <laughs> <laughs> no, sure crimes are nowhere near as egregious as Phil thrill- Collins. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's like the guy who shortchanged it at the chip shop onto the Nazi war crimes child tribunal. (laughs) It's uh, degrees of the crime. Degrees of the crime. (laughs) Yeah. But every time I listen to this, there's bits of the song that get me. And it's just like, I just imagine myself absolutely losing it to this song. If I wasn't just a 50-year-old hunk of unpleasantness to look at, (laughs) I would actually be out there. Getting laid. I think that's (laughs) what it basically comes down to. This is my obscene audio lube. (laughs) This is just the precursor to the peacock-like mating dance that I would have been beating them off for hours in every sense of that phrase.
1: What a great name for a band, Obscene Audio Lube.
2: Obscene yeah. Audio Loop. We are Obscene Audio Lube. Hello, Glastonbury. <laughs> this is our opening song. It's called Opening. It lasts 17 minutes and you won't get it. <laughs> this one's for the theremin fans. <laughs> I'm playing it with my dick. <laughs> if I get my balls to wiggle, I can do the Doctor Who theme.
0: <laughs> no, okay.
2: not this time. <laughs> A cover
1: of Good Vibrations done with someone's dick. That's Uh,
2: that's how I imagine uh. the original Good Vibrations was done due to Brian Wilson's craziness. Sitting there in a fireman's helmet and a bucket of his own shit, going, ah, Good Vibrations is missing something, lads. Try playing it with your dick, Mike Love. Brian, I think you need help. No, this is the future of music. I'm not getting outdone by Sergeant Peppers. Now get your dick out and whack it against the theremin. I'm in charge of this band. Yes, uh, What are you against, the Beach Boys now? Are you anti-surfing, Mike Love? <laughs> wow. Oh. Do you remember when Joni Mitchell came in, got a clit out and played the Star Trek theme? That's the kind of can-do attitude I wanted, the Beach Boys, Mike Love, and you're ruining it for me. That's it. <laughs> Cancel smile. I'm out of it. If you won't get your nuts out for the boys, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> the, the, Al Jardine would have done it. The
1: most, the, the most sinister track on all of the, all of the outtakes of the Pet Sounds recordings. Joni Mitchell playing the triangle with her clit. Doing the Star Trek theme. Oh, <laughs> it's
2: a bit bony, isn't it?
0: Oh,
2: <laughs> wow, that is a that woman is every inch the talent. <laughs>
1: okay closing song to finish off the playlist Uh. the show is over by Petula Clark
0: the show is over now our song is dying this is the end my friend there isn't any more
2: is over but what this is everything to me this is when i was first doing um watching the the improv shows at the the bedlam i've talked about we would take turns to host and as such you could you could choose your intro music and your your exit music your leaving music that was your prerogative
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and so what i would my intro music which i still think was a class choice at the time Uh, was the opening of baby don't cry by in excess nice it's all sort of pounding drums and orchestral stuff and sweep we'll have it now i go on baby don't cry go on and all the adulation that 90 eager students could muster was mine but leaving i would always play this the show is over and no one else had ever heard of it and i absolutely love it it has that sort of story-ish element to it there's not really so much as a story but you get the feeling it's part of a wider story but also it's got that sort of oh it's all over and there's nothing I could do and it's all been magnificent and you plebs will never fully understand the gift I've given you that kind of mm-hmm. attitude to me it's it's everything I think my life is going to end up it's <laughs> basically to me it's like Marlene Dietrich in Paris 1943 The Nazis are coming across the town. She's on stage singing for no one with the last bottle of good wine in Paris in her hand and a Luger in the other, just firing indiscriminately (laughs) at the fire (laughs) doors. It's been fantastic. Magnificent gown, Diamante earrings, the whole schmier I have dignity in my troubles. Oh, yeah, it's Ruth Wallace in some Dallas PD corrupt bar in the 60s singing putting pearls before swine oh yeah that's that's exactly how i feel about it sometimes even though nothing in my comedy or stage (laughs) persona backs this up in (laughs) any way shape or form is the mental image i have in my head is of someone thinner younger than i am uh the sad every time i pass a mirror it's like no god (laughs) the dream is shattered once more but this is how it's going to end for me, just on on stage, dragged up to the nines, with, probably with a diamond and a gun. <laughs> <laughs> the show is over now. There's nothing else to sing. You know um, the film Little Voice? Yes. With Michael Caine at the end yes. singing It's Over. Uh, it's, it's a great song for that kind of thing, where he sings the line of the songs and then punctuates it each line with a bit of speech about how everything's gone to shit. Yeah. It's just like, uh, was it because oh, I've been left without my dreams. forgot. Nothing. Fucking nothing. I am. <laughs> That's exactly the show is over now. Can we have your glasses, please? The song is dying. You can't, you have to go home, but you can't stay here. That's just like, Oh God, let us sing the song. And just like, that. Uh, Tainted magnificence, tainted beauty and brilliance, shining bright like a peacock in a brown 70s world. That's all I've ever wanted, is to sparkle for the adoring public and just walk off completely underappreciated. And by Christ, that's what's happened throughout my career. (laughs)
1: Well, that is a fantastic way to go out. Stuart, thank you so much for doing this, man. Thank you.
2: It's been an absolute pleasure. For me as well. Thank you so much. And I look forward to listening to this and other episodes of your wonderful podcast. Thank Thank you. you. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: And that's that. Episode 12 done. Cheers to Stu uh, for coming on the podcast, sending over his stuff, and being a cracking, cracking guest. Great, great fun. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did recording it. As always, please follow Stuart on all of his social media stuff. Go and see one of the uh, improvised Potter shows. The kids will absolutely love it. I guarantee that. Go down and see his show with Gary at The Stand, any Sunday. It's brilliant. I've been a guest on it. I love doing it, even though I am utterly shite at improvising. Um, And... Yeah, just keep following the keep following the podcast uh, Get in touch with me I've had a couple of uh, messages about various guests That people want on If you want to see any guests Please get in touch with me Follow us on Twitter At Perfect PerfectPlayPod You can suggest some categories You can talk about the songs that have been in What has been really cool is When I've been retweeting some of the stuff Some of the bands have actually retweeted it So that's something I never thought would happen Which is very cool Including uh, back in Wigfield Wigfield retweeted it Which is awesome so i'm gonna try like if that keeps happening i could get people like wigfield on the show it'd be awesome it'd be great i'd love to do that so yeah get in touch with me if you want to do that follow the podcast if you have liked it please tell people um it keeps building and building we're getting more and more listeners every episode which is fantastic uh, leave us five star review on apple if you can write us a review if you really really enjoyed it and you've got a spare five minutes would appreciate that uh, follow me on the socials um special probably that long-awaited special probably won't be out until christmas until after christmas now sorry because uh christmas is absolutely mental with the family and the amount work i've got to do so that will be released uh, follow me on tiktok twitter facebook instagram wherever you can and i will be back next week with an absolute belter of a guest again in the meantime i will leave you with the wise words of Mr. Barry Manilow, who said, I think my music is like anchovies. Some people like it, some people just get nauseous. See you next week. Bye-bye.